0: Hi there, and welcome to episode 43 of the Connect2 podcast. My name is Jeff Cullen. And I'm Mark Hughes. Afternoon, Marcus. Hello, Jeffrey. Some springtime action happening here. It is. It's feeling very warm. nice. Warm. I
1: think it's supposed to be like 12 degrees today.
0: Yeah, nice.
1: Yeah, for uh, it sticks around. Our, our, our neck of the woods, that's very warm.
0: That's right. Let's hope we don't have another inopportune downturn.
1: It was really bad it broke my a freeze my alley fro- or melted so much and it was so much snow in the back that it, it flood my, flooded my my uh, garage even though my garage is higher than the alley wow and it's it, a- and it had approximately an inch thick solid like ice block underneath everything so i'm sure i have damaged furniture and stuff
0: oh that sucks i have noticed uh like our back alley like an, an an inordinate amount of ice this year like it's like it's a good foot and a half almost a foot thick of ice so the ruts are just incredible but yeah bizarre anyways global change haha <laughs> shit's all, oh shit's all fine <laughs> it's all fine I like
1: that <laughs> So if you're new to our podcast, um a uh, rate review and subscribe. Most That's of right. you find us on Apple Podcasts, which is great. Yep. Um we're also any... on
0: Spotify and Google, Google Podcasts. It's like eighty six percent Apple. Wow. Yeah, it's a lot of Apple. We attract the Apple people.
1: Yeah, well we're, we're a bit more sophisticated. We're not
0: a sponsor though. <laughs> Maybe we should write them a letter. Exactly. 86% of our listeners, of our vast amount of listeners, no. hey, we're closing in on 1,000 downloads, though.
1: Well, yeah, we're 8-something. We're it'd be, eight, cool. Eight something, eight it'd be
0: cool if we hit 1,000 before that 50th episode that we want to do.
1: That's right. So hey, episode awesome. 52, the objective is we're going to see if we can do a live stream. A live stream,
0: it. yeah, that'd be great.
1: That will be entertaining. Um, today, we have coffee from... Uh, from Kittle Coffee in Montreal, uh-huh. it's called El Aguante from Colombia. It has, should have tasting notes of dark chocolate, cherry, and almond.
0: Uh, that's a, probably the cherry I'm tasting. It is a
1: washed, a washed um, process, and the variety is Castillo from the Nariño region. Region, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. It, uh, oh, this is good. This is quite talking. Elevations similar to Ethiopia. You get bright, fruity coffees. But anyway, so this is, that is, and our treats today are Mm -hmm. from Café Lorraine, also not a sponsor. Very tasty. Since we don't actually have any sponsors at this point, (laughs) except maybe uh, Base Camp 4 and Mark Hughes Photography. That's
0: right. But we are hopeful, though. There are sponsorship opportunities. We will <laughs> accept cash, so we or have... free treats. That'd be work. That would work. The
1: pound with chocolate is very nice. It's very nice. So you have a dad joke?
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what do you call a, a U.S. president with uh, red bloodshot eyes? I don't know. Abe Lincoln. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Okay, what has four
1: letters, sometimes has nine, always has six, and never has five?
0: Ooh, boy, I don't know. Wordle?
1: No, what has four letters, four sometimes letters. has nine, always has six, and never has five?
0: It has four and sometimes has six.
1: No, what has four?
0: What has four, but sometimes has six?
1: Sometimes has nine.
0: Sometimes has nine. I have no idea.
1: No, that's a statement. What has four letters, sometimes oh. has nine.
0: Always <laughs> has six. It's not a riddle at all. And never has five. That's very clever. Ba-doom-boom. Ba-doom, boom That's great. <laughs> yeah. um, it's almost as good as who's on first. <laughs> exactly.
1: What did you learn this week?
0: Mm, give me a shotgun. <laughs> i
1: well, I'll tell you what I learned.
0: Ill-timed bite of my my, my treat. Go for it.
1: Two things uh, that I learned this week. Uh, One is, you know, I guess I have a much healthier understanding of what the concept of a no-fly zone would be in Ukraine. Mm. And why the U.S. is so reluctant to engage it. Because a no-fly zone sounds very passive. Nobody's flying. But the reality is a no-fly zone means that if anybody flies in it, you have to be prepared to shoot them down. We'll shoot them down. Yeah, exactly. And... What the U.S. is really trying to avoid is a direct conflict between Russia and the U.S. Yep. So um, proxies are okay, but not direct. They because do not want to kill could,
0: any Russians. It could
1: escalate. Apparently, there has been some incursions into Swedish airspace. Yes, and, I heard about that. Yeah. And into, uh, into Poland. There was a drone that flew into Poland. Yeah, that's bad. Apparently the drone flew into Poland because the Russian controller lost communication with the drone and it just basically crashed. So it didn't get shot down, it just lost communication and anybody that's f- flown a drone knows that sometimes you have to, don't go that, too far, that can you're happen, like, yeah. sure. and apparently the Russians are having lots of so, I have a much healthier understanding and appreciation for this. Yeah. I do think this Ukrainian thing is going to be a
0: long-term mess. I think so. I I learned that Putin speaks fluent German. In fact, that's he learned German uh, in university. And when he was a KGB agent, was assigned to East Germany and then was sort of responsible for a bunch of uh, insurrectionist uh, support in West Germany. So there was pro-Soviet uh, cells of uh, basically a terrorist organization. And that was kind of a big part of his job. So he's totally fluent. And I'm sure he speaks English too. I mean, mm. you know, an educated person. He would never want, educated to ad- person. never
1: want to admit that. He would oh, never. No,
0: but I'm sure he does. Yeah. And uh, he probably speaks it with a deeper tone. Too. <laughs> Actually, he doesn't. His voice is weird, man. It's it's he's kind of high pitchy is he he's 60, he's 69 69 years old wants to be in power for 20 more years I think he's going to be lucky if he makes 20, 20 weeks at this point but well we'll see yeah anyhow well I learned something not nearly as real world important but it occurs to me if 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 more of us paid attention to real world history and stuff like we do to Star Trek we <laughs> were probably a lot more educated. So there was a, a leak, some TikTokers leaked a picture late last week of an actor who I, I'm not familiar with, but part of the new uh, uh, Strange New Worlds series. They're shooting episode two right now. Episode one, sorry. Season one launches in May. There's, they've been pre-approved. They're shooting season two. And there's a picture of a guy in captain's stripes and it was all of this, uh, theorizing, was it, was it captain Decker? Was it like, who was it, you know, in Canon? And then the next day they released that it is in fact, James T. Kurt and everybody went bananas because the well, way it's a new, the timelines don't work. And is this supposed to be a show about Pike 11 years or 10 years before the original series, or at least eight years. And now why is Kurt going to be in it? And, ah, you know, and then some people came out and said, "No, no, there's this obscure book written in 1968, the background story of Star Trek, when the show was basically still on, that says that Captain Kirk, his the, the Enterprise was not his first command. He was he was uh, promoted to captain very young because he was all heroic and but stuff. It wasn't the first. And then he actually commanded a freighter." Uh, for a number of years before given command of of more of a, a starship. And so, don't panic. I'm sure that we'll just be seeing Kirk commanding his freighter. But I was like, that's amazing. Because people are like, and there was all these pictures of the book. And I think I read that book years ago. I don't remember this particular line. But somebody went and found it. Oh, yeah, no, Gene Ronberry said in 1968 in this book, The Making of Star Trek, that Jim Kirk had a command previous to the Enterprise. So... <laughs> It's okay. Nobody needs to panic. And well, I'm, I'm always like, impressed. That's
1: awesome. I'm always <laughs> impressed when you read a book and it's got some. It's a really elaborate story with all kinds of details.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And the thing with the thing with uh, um, science fiction is, you know, you build this world and it needs to be internally logically consistent. So it can have all kinds of MacGuffins and all that stuff, as yep. long as yep. it's internally consistent, you believe it as mm-hmm. soon as it's not, it kind of falls apart. I do remember, I, I watched this, uh, this movie. I was a big fan of Ed Burns. You remember mm-hmm. the f- filmmaker Ed Burns? Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, uh, he did this one movie called, I think it was called the sidewalks of New York. I'll link the correct okay. film. And this was back in the this back in the days, is at least 20 years ago. I wa- I watched the DVD and I actually watched the entire DVD commentary because he was he was incredibly charming and interesting in the discussion. Okay. And um in it he uh he talks about continuity and he he, he basically uses a uh, very interrogatory comment. It says continuity is for and it's uh so women's genitalia. <laughs> um, and he says if your story is good, you will not notice continuity issues.
0: Unless if you're, you're st- unless you're a Star Trek fan. <laughs> unless you're a Star Trek fan. <laughs> if you are uh,
1: if you're, if your story is weak, that's when continuity issues really uh, i could there. see
0: that in most movies but
1: so uh and uh so it, it's kind of interesting from a filmmaker's perspective that 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 really stuck with me it's been a long time um but anyway I, maybe it was just a
0: bs excuse for being bad at continuity
1: well maybe i do think it's true if you're just so enraptured with the plot and where it's going or the characters continuity is less of an issue i mean there's i know there's some filmmakers that intentionally screw up continuity oh is that right on purpose oh yeah just to they'll have a scene well um, to mess with people john favaro did used to do that where he would replace things in the same scene oh okay So you'd come back to it and there would be a flower and now the flower was somewhere else. yeah well that's fine like messing around continuity issues
0: but there's been some really famous ones where you know the outfits don't match you (laughs) know from one cut scene to the next i think there's a there's a courtroom drama with uh glenn close in it and somebody put a youtube video and there's like four or five like glaring when you see stakes where her outfit changes not just color but it's an entirely different style yeah you think even as an actor wouldn't you go Hey, uh, when we did this like three weeks ago, I pretty sure I was wearing blue.
1: Well, it's like, ah, don't worry about plan it. Plan nine from outer space, right? I think they start. there in the evening, and then they're driving, and it's daytime, and yeah. then they're back in the evening. Well, that's not a
0: uh, that that is not a not
1: known uh, for a standard
0: days. to set. <laughs> We're better than Plan Nine from you know Edwards Plan Nine. Well, you I'll tell know, you, could what
1: you what. Be the, worse. I'll tell you what. The second thing I learned was is, is that the in thing this day and age, yes. Um, I don't know what you would call people in their late 20s, early 30s. Uh, would they be Generation Z or Z? Uh,
0: they're
1: not they're, millennials, millennials. They're
0: late. They would be like old middle, or young millennials.
1: Anyway, the drama associated with these guys sometimes, especially like uh, creators on TikTok and YouTube okay. and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, There's just this new level of uh, high school childishness. This is true. Um, There is, um, so there's two TikTokers, uh, Lance Sosi and Chelsea Hart. They had this major break. Like one guy is Modern Warrior. He's like this uh, Native American who refers to all white people as hello colonizer and um you know and he has got a big following so
0: a very balanced approach to things. Yep. Hello and he colonizer. and Chelsea Hart Chelsea Hart
1: is quite <laughs> is this comedian out of Alaska. She, okay. And um anyway, the two of them somehow were famous in TikTok and they became friends in real life and then they had a uh well they they had sex together and uh she felt totally betrayed because she thought this was monogamous and he was he, he posted on tiktok that he had had sex with somebody else the same day or something like, like it's just and, and it just blew up with them creating tiktoks announcing how they're pissed off at each other like it just <laughs> of course went crazy and so, but your, it has
0: this living your whole life in, in public in public
1: yeah and then there's another one much closer to home uh-huh. last week with uh, Ryan Jesperson and the yes. Ryan Jesperson and there's this guy who speaking of
0: cancel culture we were last week right yeah. was hit pretty much at the same time oh
1: yeah, yeah. i mean uh, so there's he has a he has a person who works with him Sarah Hoyles who um i'm not sure exactly what her role is but anyway she got kind of attacked by this guy named Captain Colby, who is a relatively newcomer to Podspace and TikTok, and all—he's a—he's this typical mid-thirties bearded white guy, and <laughs> I think he accused accused her of being, Bro. yeah, exactly, and, and he accused her of reverse discrimination and 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 said some. I think there were some personal attacks on direct, uh, through DMs and all this stuff, wow. and um, and uh, so it blew up. Sure, it blew up really bad. Um, I think I think uh, there's a whole bunch of sponsors that have pulled their sponsorship from Ryan Jesperson because he, yeah, when I saw Sarah, some, Sarah, some Sarah, artist
0: Sarah, said uh, he, this painting was in the background, and yeah. he's like, I want to be painted back. I, well, I Sarah asked,
1: asked him Ryan to walk it back or to basically call out and say. To Captain Colby, that this was not not good. Um, he did eventually. Um, I think at the time, I think he was a little caught off guard. But I'm not going to make an excuse for him. It, right. it had a lot to do with the whole concept of white privilege, especially old white guy privilege, white which, male privilege,
0: which because yeah. which, which, jesperson has got to be in his early 40s, probably.
1: Yeah, I would yeah. think so. Yeah, um, Sarah is younger than that, I and mean, right. Captain Colby's definitely younger. So um I don't even know what Captain Colby actually does other than anyway. Um but is he
0: really a captain? That's my, I don't my think first so. question. He's
1: just some guy who wears it? a hat and a beard.
0: <laughs> <laughs> is he Captain Obvious
1: then? <laughs> no, <it> could be. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. But uh um but it's uh, and and it just it's again this public it's publicly bad, and there are people who are incredibly pissed off, um, um, particularly at the whole concept of white privilege. And there's a clear—it's clear to me that Ryan Jesperson, at least at the outset, had troubles understanding the concept of white privilege, which is basically—it's the privilege is that you don't have any barriers, and it's right. basically. Or that you are, yeah, certainly not compared to everybody else, other people, tends to have some sort of barrier. Yeah. And uh, that prevents things from happening. Sure. By definition, white privilege is, is you don't have any of those. Yeah. You don't have any of those obstacles. Well, and and the
0: fact that you're unaware of the fact that you don't have obstacles exactly. is, is part of the whole white thing. Like, it's like, yeah. aha, <laughs> see? You <laughs> what can't you even, it's you... that Johari window concept. What's of, Johari? Well, it's a, it's a it's a psychological concept about the knowns and the unknowns, right. right? And so your window, most of our window is pretty small. That's right. And then as you broaden it, you see things that you were not even aware of. Mm-hmm. So it's this idea of you have privilege and you're not even aware of it.
1: Well, I, I think that that fundamentally, is boils down to most most white privileges yeah is that most of the people they just
0: exactly absolutely clueless well building on that i finally found out at least at a at a high level what critical race theory actually means okay yeah so there's a youtuber uh economist that i i watch guy named richard wolf who's a bit of a marxist um in his background but he's he's taught Major universities, and so he he definitely has a, a leftist, um, like let's say classical Marxism, and he explained critical theory and critical race theory, and which are are economic theories that come out of the Marxist movement. And critical theory was basically a, a, a criticism of of the capitalist model in a very general sense. Critical race theory, and he went this is about a seven minute video, but what it basically boils down to is. There's more commonality between a a lower middle class black person and a lower middle class white person in terms of their life circumstance, and you could add lower middle class native person, whatever, right? Right. There's more commonality of of experience and and sharing, if you will, of than there is with the, with sort of the capitalists, the 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 one percenters, the rich, right? Right. But you you kind of keep their, that division alive because the more you keep those people divided on the basis of these uh, uh, surface differences, the less likely they are to, I guess, come to the realization that hey, we're we're getting kind of shafted here by them folk, yeah. <laughs> right? And getting together and basically demanding, you know, whether it be an actual revolution or or more just like a like a quiet revolution of you know questioning uh the uh, the upper classes right and so critical race theory it's, it's an actual theory is that yes for capitalism to continue to thrive particularly the way it's so out of whack you need to keep that dissent alive amongst them folks the proletariat if you will because once they start to see each other as allies then they begin to realize hey wait a minute I'm getting screwed by
1: the same guy screwing Yeah. You. you
0: know, maybe we should band together and and change something. And so in five minutes, I was like, oh, okay, so that's what it's about. And no wonder the GOP and, and the right wing extremists are see this as such a a, a a boogeyman because of course they don't teach it in grade school, no, right? This is all just a, like a university straw man thing, thing. Yeah. but you know what a dangerous theory to their position of privilege, right? It's like once people begin to band together or even just exchange information, that ain't good. So we got to keep them, you know, focused on these little differences. I was like, boom, five minutes I I got. Now, obviously it's much more complex in its nuance, but in terms of a thumbnail, like what's the general idea? I was like, wow, that's cool. So,
1: yeah. Excellent. Yeah. So today's topic of our podcast is...
0: Best thing you ever did in business. Worst thing you thing. ever did. Yeah, I don't know. I haven't really given this a lot of thought. Why don't you start with your best, and then I'll 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 just come up with what. Well, I'm going to start with my, my worst because okay. it
1: led to my best.
0: Ah, bring the bad news early, kind of thing.
1: <laughs> well, so in the mid 1990s, I. Um... I had inherited a little tiny bit of money when my parents passed away. Right. It was not a lot of money, but it was a little bit that, um, that provided me with a little bit of security, a little bit of mad money at the time. Okay. that I could, I could afford to gamble with. I decided to back a friend, uh, and go into business. And I started a private eye company.
0: I remember that.
1: It's called, it was called Abrams Thorn.
0: Yes, and very uh, very film noir.
1: Yeah, well, that was totally the idea with the name. Um, I made a whole bunch of mistakes with that. Um, part of it was, well, uh, so so one of the things I learned during that process is never hire your friends. Right. Um. It's okay to hire people you've worked with sure. that you've become friends with. Right. But. But you gotta be super careful hiring friends because you can have the most charming friend and it can be the absolute worst worker. Yes. <laughs> and um, anyway, so
0: this is like going into business with your friends. Same yeah. same Well fraught it, uh, with potential. Fraught with danger. potential
1: danger, exactly. And uh what will that actually lead me to my best decision? Ah, okay. But the um, but with Abrams Thorne, um I relied on her. I trusted her to Provide me all the information about what was going on. She was telling right. me it was fine. I wasn't checking it. It was a business I was unfamiliar with, and I couldn't actually really do myself. Right. And um, was your I, partner
0: familiar with it?
1: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But uh, I'm not sure she. Anyway, it was a it was an unmitigated disaster. <laughs> uh, I lost uh, a fair chunk of money in that right. in that venture. Um, the only thing I really have left of that is the desk that's in my office. Uh, oh, there you go. It's very expensive. Legacy desk. desk. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And, but what the, so the best thing that came out of that and um, actually uh, was one of my next, so I, I did actually start my own business. And uh, um, in, after I started my own business, I also went, we, I, grouped with a bunch of friends and we bought another business i remember this too and during that process though we went, made one of the best decisions i ever did which is, so i did go into business with friends and i did uh, but we did put together uh, you know i'm a shareholders agreement Brilliant. and um i mean that is really a document that is intended to deal with when everything goes bad when and, inevitably yeah. it falls apart. I mean, most people yeah. when they go into business, they say, "I don't really want to think about things yeah, no, that right.
0: bad." This but, is like a prenuptial agreement, yeah, for famous people. And here's the catch:
1: yeah. is that uh, pretty much everybody um, that I, well, I mean, some of the people have moved away and I've lost contact with, but I'm still, you know, I'm still friends with all of them. Good. And um, that's a big deal. That's a big win. There was 10 of us. It was, it was an unmitigated disaster as well. (laughs) I lost almost the same amount of money I did in Abrams Thorne. Yeah. These
0: are good lessons though.
1: They were hard lessons. So the other lesson I learned, so the first lesson I learned was don't hire your friends. Um, And with the going into business, we didn't hire friends. We, these were people that, uh, so they, we were, co-owners but we weren't right. really employees yeah and um and the the second thing i learned was uh, was never go into business that you don't know anything about
0: yeah that's holy right.
1: holy crap i mean there's lots of people say well i got this idea for business do you know anything about it that's right if you don't if you can't do a business plan if you can't like just walk away Yep. And, and you have to not only know about it, you also have to be involved in it because, yeah, uh, for the most a part, Unless, certain, I mean, certain every level now and, and
0: then, there could be something that's totally. Certain, some certain level, but,
1: but it's going to be some level of involvement. You can't oh, just. By involved,
0: sort of, you mean before or like actually hands on in the business?
1: Well, you got to have a little bit of hands on, enough to at least monitor or put oh, the totally. systems in place Absolutely. to create accountability. Or
0: somebody does, like yeah. at least. You could be a silent partner, but then you got to have yeah unanimous shareholders agreement. Oh boy! And and front, what kind of reporting are we going to be doing? And yeah. Well, I'm for my yeah. company
1: Sintra. Uh, we put in unanimous shareholders agreement when we merged. It formed the basis for the new unanimous shareholders sure. agreement when we merged. Yeah. And that was very useful and absolutely. And, and for me, it was important that we followed the USA. Um, I'm not sure that that's that impetus is still there with me gone, but oh well. It, it's
0: you're it's, gone what do you care it's
1: not my uh, it's not my circus <laughs> it's not my monkeys
0: so don't get into a business you know nothing about that's pure warren buffett charlie munger right yes I mean that's that's what well, they i say think there the is like don't like,
1: get into any business you don't understand you
0: don't understand yeah yeah, yeah. well right
1: but similar so right? some of the tech stuff they just avoided they but, avoid yeah but absolutely. uh but they're uh like Warren Buffett's ninety something.
0: Yeah, Munger is almost a hundred. I've been watching a bunch He's of. He's older you, than yeah than Warren. Yeah, Buffett? I've been watching oh. a lot of their YouTube videos lately, and do they have YouTube videos. Well, they don't do their own, but like every time they speak, people will put them up on 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 YouTube, and uh, so they're they're pretty smart guys. Yeah, you know? well, what do you think their uh, exit, ex-
1: succession pl- succession succession plan is, or their exit strategy for Berkshire
0: mean? Hathaway? Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. Probably, I don't know if they actually would have the one. next
1: younger guy who's going to be like seventy.
0: Yeah, <laughs> could be, could be. I know Ray Dalio. Uh, is it Blackwater? Yeah, I think Blackwater has a very structured exit plan because he does everything s- amazingly systematically, right? Mm. So, but yeah, those guys, I don't know. I mean, uh, Warren Buffett still lives in the same house him and his wife bought like in the 1950s, right? There's like, there's no, there's none of this run out and buy a big uh, super yacht or like, he's just, it's not, it's he's not he's a about. Russian oligarch. And actually they both said something really interesting. If we'd set out to become billionaires, we never would have. Hmm. Right. All they they did was follow you know rules and 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 smart decisions. And so yeah, you set out to be like which kind of makes sense, right? Because you're gonna make bad decisions if you're if you're not tied to some value set. If you're just like, oh, I just want to make money, mm-hmm. uh, you'll be buying NFTs <laughs> like, yeah, good yeah, luck with that, yeah. right? So the only thing NFT No, that's is. fascinating. Well, I would say my my best decision. Was probably to get out of engineering, consulting engineering, not because it was necessarily a bad industry, although it wasn't great. Um, bad fit for you, in a way, it was a bad fit for me. And I, it's funny because over the years, um, it hasn't happened for a long time, of course, with COVID. But I'd get invited to these lunches, a, a bunch of people that I'd worked with, or kind of tangentially, and we'd uh, meet somewhere for lunch, and and you know, I'm out ten. 12 years at the time even a little bit longer out of industry and all the complaints that these folks had about what they did was had not changed like at all like it was all still the same we don't get respect from the architects you know the contractors are make all the money and uh, they get away with all of this stuff and we're never you know we're always sort of stuck in the middle and nobody values what we do and you know what i found not a good fit because Doing stuff that nobody values is the one thing that I just, I cannot stand. Like, <laughs> I would, you know, you're wasting my time, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So that was probably my best decision. Although, you know, at times it's been difficult. My worst, ah, boy, that's a tough one. Um, of course, giving away that $10,000, that wasn't too smart uh, <laughs> to get nothing from it. I would say. Wouldn't you consider that a business? I guess that was a business. Decision. It was a business decision because the idea was these guys were going to basically be doing provide you know, access, provide access, and bring all this marketing stuff. And so a little bit like you say, if you don't know who you're getting in bed with, like there's no shortcuts, right? There's no uh, shortcuts. So that's a lesson. Like, yeah, you can outsource certain things, but you doesn't make sense to outsource like those core functions, like finding work or building relationships. Right. That, that doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, so that was a pretty bad one. Um, well, I think a lot of times with the good decisions
1: are predicated on not just a good idea, but a little bit of luck in terms of timing. Yes.
0: Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I think it's pretty safe to say at any time, if you do something that doesn't, Pass the sort of the smell test in terms of values, yeah, it's going to be a mistake, yeah. even if in the short term it it seems like advantageous. I think that that's that should be the touchstone well, and you know, you know does it, this align with what I really believe, and better yet, does it align with what I believed yesterday before this great opportunity landed on my plate, right Because there's a tendency to kind of <gasps> wow, right, you just forget. People go like, whoa, hang on a sec, right? So if you can hold on to that, wait a minute, would I have done this, would I have gone out and pursued this, if it hadn't just popped into my inbox? And if the answer is no, then it's probably a good indication that, yeah, I don't think this is going to work.
1: Well, you know, and and, uh, you know, I would say that from a good business decision, the USA is kind of one, and I think the bigger one that. Maybe, maybe the one that's even bigger for me would have been when I accepted some advice to um, to do the work that ended up leading us to examining our core values. So, mm. so uh, in the late two thousands, I had a business manager. His name is Chris Miller. She, oh boy. Uh,
0: not a sponsor.
1: Not a sponsor.
0: <laughs>
1: but Chris, you might have to bleep that out.
0: No, his name was no.
1: But Chris, Chris uh, was adamant that we needed to uh, manage our firm a bit more professionally. Yeah, we needed some. Um, so, I mean, especially in engineering, engineers think they can do anything, and they <laughs> generally can do a lot because they're pretty bright guys, yeah, and girls, or sorry, women. And, um, um, but inevitably they don't have a lot of training other than in engineering. So, you know, you do well as an engineer, you get promoted and then you're put in a position of managing, but you've never really had any management training or you don't really understand what ticks. I mean, sometimes they do, but a lot of times they do. I think
0: this is not uncommon amongst all the professions. You look at doctors that open up a clinic or dentists that run a dental practice, they generally don't know what the hell they're doing <laughs> right
1: well and and so <laughs> so we went and we got um business consulting advice specifically to break down every single system we had right. in the entire company this, yeah. and then rebuild it up again and yep. and one of them was also figuring out our core values that was pretty early on because that actually helped shape and frame all the other stuff yep uh and um it uh i think that was you know, taking that advice was good. Was really good. Excellent. Yeah, uh, so- puts
0: you in a rarefied uh, uh, air, right? There's a lot of people who seem very reluctant to uh, to be willing to look at how things are done, and the reality is, uh, the phrase that I often hear is like, you know what what got you to here isn't going to get you to the next level. that's really hard for people to accept, but it's, it's, that's the reality. A lot of businesses, you know, they start really small while most businesses start from an idea and a lot of them die very early on for a bunch of reasons, right? It's goofy idea or just bad luck or, but then there's this sort of number that, that hit this lucky, lucky slash skilled ability to grow. Yeah. And, but, but that kind of taps out, right? And there's a whole bunch of reasons for it, but basically it's complexity, right? the, what makes you successful early on, which is those interpersonal relationships and, and you almost have to keep it like not too uh, structured. Uh, structured because who knows what's gonna happen tomorrow, right? So yeah, if people exactly. are like staying in their lane, stuff's gonna get missed. So you almost have to have that kind of SWAT team kind of cross-functional, but at some point when it gets big enough that now there's stuff that people don't necessarily, like it's not as fun <laughs> and that part of the problem is well who's gonna do that not fun part that we really need, you know, to pay attention to. And I like, mean well, like, I want to like, keep doing the fun stuff. Like right? firing people, like oh my god. Firing people, you know, appropriate hiring, right? Which a lot of companies just
1: are you maintaining a heartbeat.
0: Well, a- <laughs> or or I'm gonna hire somebody I know, you know, because we got along and they're my buddy. And it's like, oh, hang on a sec. Like, you know, what what makes somebody successful in a role is a whole bunch of different things. And what is this role even intended to do? And people don't have answers for that. It's like, well, we need someone to do this thing. Exactly. Right. So all of that, it's not fun. It's not exciting. And again, I think entrepreneurs in particular, because they get jazzed by that, That the thrill of the hunt, you know, like, oh man. And then it becomes, yeah. So it becomes a challenge, but it's not insurmountable. So like what you did with, bringing those people in and, and deconstructing. It's pretty important uh, if you want to take it beyond, you know, where you sort of plateau. And I mean, there's companies that stay plateaued and that's fine. I mean, if that's what they, if they're happy with that, although like they say, when you're standing still, you're actually kind of falling behind. So there is risks to not growing. Right. But yeah. So kudos, Mark. It's a great decision. (laughs) So, uh, (laughs) so uh,
1: best is, so did we, Go over what your best decision was? Best decision, getting out of
0: engineering okay, no, because it wasn't decision. a good fit for my value set. Mm-hmm. And uh, worst decision, there is no one worse, but I think any time that I've done things that in retrospect were not a fit for values, again, probably was a mistake. Like even my partnership where I kind of took a back seat to what this older what I, in turn to be a more of a, you know, more experienced partner, right. And kind of let, let him drive the ship, let him sort of set the direction. And I should have probably been a little bit more like, eh, I don't think this is really, I mean, there's a lot of good to it, but at the fundamental level, there was some stuff that was like, and eh, this is not really me. Mm-hmm. So that was probably a mistake.
1: So. Yeah, I, I was thinking about it too. A lot of times the mistakes also lead to successes, right? Especially, I mean, if you're willing to listen or think about the mistakes and sort of change. Yeah, if patterns. you can learn from it. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Um,
1: I've got this idea for a $10,000 deposit.
0: <laughs> well, these days I don't have an extra $10,000 lying around, so it's not a problem. Totally. I'm uh, <laughs> I'm constrained. <laughs> no problem. Um,
1: Okay. Um, hey, what kind of media are you consuming? Hey,
0: finish the Expanse. All of On it. Sunday, yeah. Episode, episode- C- C- season season six. season six. Oh my god, that's yeah. an enormous amount of media to consume. Yeah. Wow. Uh, did you notice the the Easter egg? Which in- one? Well, the uh, the uh, nod to aliens. The which one? There's a nod to the movie Aliens. So in the last episode. Spoiler alert! They're 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 getting ready for this uh, all out battle, right? Right, right. And on, I think it's Aimless the screen. You have all of the different Oh, yes. things. yeah, yeah. And there was like Hudson Hicks, Vasquez, oh, and a couple other names, and these well, are all
1: almost uh, all of the names are a nod to like if you if you you, you can look it up everybody's name on there they're related to different sci-fi so there's star wars star trek aliens okay i only picked Uh, up
0: on on those three um, and i was like there's a
1: fast scene there's some video games like halo okay Uh, they're like every single name uh except for one or two and i think one or two of them are tied to like screenwriters or something right and uh but like there's this list of all yeah, these yeah, yeah, people yeah. Um, that are part of the attack, and uh, they are uh, yeah. So uh, yeah, there's there's a there's a cluster of them that are related to aliens. Yeah. they're because apparently aliens was a fundamental shaping for the two guys that wrote. Sure. The series. Yeah,
0: you can see the 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 uh, the technology or even the the concept of. As opposed to Star Trek or Star Wars or Star Wars where, well, Star Wars is a little bit grittier in some respects, but Star Trek is pretty utopian, right? Where most, at least the majority of the characters were more like alien, where yeah, space exploration is going to be crappy, like for a long time. It's going to be mining asteroids. It's going to be dirty, hard physical labor out in the middle of nothing. And you know, people will be belters basically, right?
1: Yeah. Uh, is it Ty Abrams? I think he's the guy who is one of the screenwriters. He said that the, the single biggest factor from aliens that influenced them was the concept that, and it's the first, it's the first science fiction show where the people in space were working class. Yeah. So they're just, uh, and, uh, and, and that, uh, and that every other thing like Star Trek, they're all military or elite Elite science people. Yeah. But this is no, that's uh, right. This is a, a, a working class place to.
0: That's totally what Alien is like in Alien, yeah, right? Because they're saying. talking about their contract with the company and are they going to get their bonus? And they're hauling fr- ore from some deep mine, you yeah. know, in an asteroid field. And well, and it's that's just totally... it's not exactly like yeah. living the dream, baby.
1: Well, it's like <laughs> the whole Canterbury. I mean, that's exactly what that. That's well, all. that's
0: right. And even the military here is represented. Again, like you'd expect uh, a colonial military or military to be, right? You're you're yeah. patrolling against piracy. It's it's crammed into a ship, and it's not first contacts and woohoo, right? It's, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it was really good. So I really enjoyed that. That's awesome. Um, what else have I consumed? Well, I just watched that a couple of days ago, so I haven't really started. I guess I'm 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 making my way through Discovery season four. Mm. Uh, it's okay. I, uh, uh, the juxtaposition uh, with with the expanse, it's kind of hard to, because like this is good and Star Star Trek is okay. Somebody,
1: it's okay she talked. Uh, she talks too much. There's yeah. too much uh, proselytizing. It's like you know yeah. it. Uh, yeah, it's it's a little too much touchy feely and not enough like you know move it along <laughs> exactly. without such an exposition all the time. <laughs> and um and the, the things that made it good previously or were were the stuff where they got down to doing stuff although it it know that's does, right it,
0: it does the, yeah the season with pike where it was act, more action-packed so i think strange new worlds has the potential to be more action-packed yeah it'd be great to see kirk show up in discovery and just start talking about how
1: and, and well and, come on and, people and the, this is not what space is for. It was the third episode of Picard dropped last week. So that was... Yeah, that was good that too. Was good, yeah.
0: Assimilation. Yeah, we liked that. The yeah. board
1: Queen is yeah. pretty pretty Now, terrifying. I don't know what
0: the logic of the time travel... Because a lot of times in, in previous shows, that's been like a budget thing, where it's like, we don't have money. Let's do time travel. We'll just shoot a bunch of scenes, like... outside in the street. So I don't know if that's tied to it. I, I don't believe it would be, because they've Par- got... Apparently, season three approved so. Well, apparently
1: the whole thing with um with the time travel thing too that's really fascinating is so there are at least two other star trek franchises that went back in time to around the same
0: yeah period of time DS nine uh, uh ds nine the, the bell riots the bell Riot. San
1: francisco yeah. yeah and uh god we're geeky and the. uh
0: didn't Enterprise and, and go back? And
1: Enterprise went back.
0: And, uh, they went back a couple times. They went back to like 1949. But so... so. Well, you, that would have been DS9 again. The, the no, Ferengi, no, no, no. The was, Ferengi. And then they went back to the 50s yeah. with T'Pol and a couple... Or maybe it was T'Pol's ancestor or something and a couple of other Vulcan
1: uh, dudes. But there's kind of like this canon in Star Trek and these threads. Yeah. And they've maintained it in Picard even if it's not really happening in our current timeline right sure so um so picard they show up and it's like at a squatter's camp which is kind of right. tied to the ds the 9 version yeah yeah so it's kind of uh it's kind of interesting uh, and you know even in the background there's like you can go to uh to Europa, flight to Europa, join the right. trip to Europa. Which you know, in twenty twenty four, there's not going to be any flights to Europa no, no, in, in the near no. future. We haven't even made it to Mars yet. We'll be lucky or to the moon. We, to the moon, we'll
0: be lucky if we can fly to Europe, <laughs> to Europa <laughs> exactly. in twenty twenty four. Well, we've been to the moon.
1: Well, no, but we haven't got
0: a permanent anything that we know of. Yeah, according to Art Bell, there's uh, a million people living up there. <laughs> All those people who disappeared from Yosemite. Living on the moon, baby. living on the moon. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, I
1: watched was um, the Atom Project with Ryan. Oh, right. Reynolds.
0: yeah, is that good? Another time travel thing,
1: uh, yes. Uh, spoiler
0: alert. Well, it's, that it, happens within the
1: first, you know, it's remarkably good. Oh,
0: yeah.
1: Uh, there is, uh, and what's really good is so you know. I'll give a tiny spoiler because it happens very early in the show. It's uh, there basically. There is an adult version of a character, and there is a child version of the character. It's the same character. Sure. Um, The adult is Ryan Reynolds, and the kid, the kid talks like Ryan Reynolds would talk as a kid. Like it just. Like I, I don't know if it. So they uh, nailed it. However, they did it, whether it was script writing or um, they actually coached this kid in terms of how he had to deliver the lines. Man, you can see that this is Ryan Reynolds as kid. Oh, like, cool. It is just uh, they absolutely nailed it. That's great. And uh, I mean, it has all kinds of time travel issues, but what time travel story doesn't?
0: That's right. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's great. Uh, oh, that sparked my memory. We watched uh, Turning Red. Oh, I haven't seen that. Really good. Really good. On Pixar, lots of controversy. Oh, that's the Stupid one. Stupid controversy because a bunch of guys are like, oh, don't get it. It's like, yeah, it's a movie about teenage girls. But watch it with our sons. Uh, it was good. It was good. Um, There's whole parts that were uncomfortable because of uh, family dynamic stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's cool. It's set in Toronto. Really? Yeah. Set in Toronto. And, uh, it's by the same director that, that that Pixar short about the dumplings. So she's Chinese. It's a family, a Chinese family of Chinese immigrants in Toronto, but there's none of the Canadian references are as so often they are in, in American movies where it's kind of like tongue in cheek. This is just like nails it, you know, like little details, like Canadian money. And there's a whole bunch of happens in the sky dome and, so the canadianness of it is just it's, it's there, just but what it's it is not, right uh, it's very authentic and it's not it's not played up in any way for comic relief or it's just the backdrop so no, really really out in a boot no none of that so they really nail it and then the story is is quite good so i can see why people are kind of upset that this isn't getting kind of the, the attention that it should. And then immediately after same night, we watched furious nine and that was really bad. Really? Oh God, it's terrible. I am. It's, I have not watched my son said halfway through, what is the point of this story? (laughs) I was like, I don't know. It's over two hours long. I mean, it's just a bloated piece of garbage and we've loved the series. Recognizing it's ridiculous, Right. But this one is so over the top, stupid, that it it makes it it's absolutely painful to watch it. Like I the first thing I said is like, well, thank God that was free. This was on <laughs> Disney Plus, and I could totally see why Dwayne Johnson, because there's some controversy about him not being in it, and Vin Diesel was all pissed off, and I'm sure he read the script and went, well, "I thought no thanks." I thought
1: Dwayne Johnson and. Vin Diesel don't really get along.
0: They don't really get along, but I think you know for the for the good of the franchise, i.e., put some money in our jeans, right? I think he wanted him to be in it. So apparently they're doing one more. But uh, the only part that was funny was uh, is it Ti, Tyrell something? Anyways, he started having this sort of self referential dialogue about how how come we've had all these crazy-ass adventures and we never get hurt? It doesn't seem plausible, that like none of us <laughs> ever get hurt. Are we... And I kept saying, is he going to say, are we in a movie? But he's like, are we invincible? And so <laughs> so he kept coming back to that. I mean, they go to space in a Fiero. What? They go in a Pontiac Fiero. They put strap rockets on it, put these guys in wetsuits and send them to space. I mean, that's how stupid oh it God. gets, okay. right? I, I, but him and, and Ludacris are like, like I said, they couldn't they can tell because they're like, man, this is a wetsuit. What the hell's going on, right? This is crazy. How are we going to survive this? It's almost like we're in a... Indestructible.
1: <laughs> oh, my God.
0: Bad. Really oh, bad. Okay. Do not watch. Unless you're looking for a laugh.
1: You know what? I uh, I have missed most... I, I think I never saw a Tokyo Drift. Yeah. And Tokyo Drift is great. But I've, I i've not seen any of them
0: and i just i i don't know i just hobbs and shaw is good too because again, character driven mm -hmm. ridiculous but i don't know you can have a ridiculous movie that somehow has an enduring quality this one was just it's just bad Mm -hmm. like there was no and after a while when when shit happens and nobody like impossible stuff you start to go like wow who cares right it's like a video game where nobody can get hurt or like, there's no stakes to it. It's just like, yeah. Okay. Whatever. Sure. Yeah. Car in space. Yeah. No. So my, <laughs> the funniest part was my son, Isaac kept saying, forget about it. Like every time we see something crazy and I try to raise, how the hell can he? he's like, forget about it. <laughs> so Suspension out, like, of disbelief. Every two minutes, right. Forget that was funny. It. So anyhow. Okay. Yeah.
1: Well, I think that's it for this week. Oh, well, we're going long again.
0: We always but go, go long. have a lot to say.
1: We're at 51 minutes. Anyway, have a great week. You too, man. We'll see you next week. Sounds good. Again, we're going to work towards, so we are, this episode is episode 52. 43. So 52, <laughs> the idea will be we will try and figure out how to live stream. A this. live stream with Uh-oh. video. Yeah, we'll live stream with video, and then we will, well, the podcast will we'll drop it quicker, I guess. Yeah, i have and, to shave. <laughs> What, your head or your cheeks? Yeah, both. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff doesn't have, uh, He is, he's to Humble. the wood on top.
0: That's right, yeah, so.
1: <laughs> and has been for many years. Yes,
0: that's true. All right. Anyway, have a great week. You too, man. Take care. Bye. Bye.